Uh, if you're here for the first time or you're checking us out, uh, you should have gotten a bulletin on your way in. And we also have a Connect card that we invite everybody to fill out. There's some great ways to get involved on the back and also ask for prayer and to mark confidential if you just want those to stay um, among the pastoral staff this morning. So I would invite you to check that out and take it out. We have a few other announcements. I'm going to invite Jim Lowry up to tell us what is happening next weekend. Everybody, you can, we can give him a round of applause or something like that. I don't know. I feel like we on, honor all that you do, yes. Jim. Good morning, See Me Covenant. How are you? All right, next Sunday, work party. Yeah, see, you took notes last weekend. That's good. Saturday morning, 8 o'clock till noon, right here. Everybody has a job. Don't feel left out. If you have a pickup truck, please bring it. We have some agricultural debris back on the back 40. We need to take over to the dumpster. Um, every pew in the place needs to be dusted. There's gum out on the patio that needs to be scraped off. There's a job for everyone. <laughs> There's an old story that goes something like this. There's two people walking down the beach, and this one guy sees a starfish trying to get back into the ocean. So he goes over, and he picks it up, and he walks into the surf, and he puts it into the ocean. His buddy says, you know, that's not going to make a bit of difference in the big picture. The guy says, but it'll make a big difference to that star, fish. <laughs> and that's what I want, 15 minutes or four hours. If you can come, please do. The bottom line is that this campus will look a lot better, and it'll be God's house clean and ready to go. Thanks very much. So we also have a few other things happening. We have set a date and started uh, reserving and reserved some spots for a church camp out, which is going to be amazing on June 5th to 7th. It is for everybody. We've had uh, an incredible experience the last couple years with uh, the generations all across the board in tents or in trailers or in the really, really nice Class A slide-out RV with TV and internet connection. So if that's you and you just want to come hang out with us, we would love for you to come uh, to engage and be together in community with one another and to join us during that. We also have the dates for Kids Camp. They're, it's going to be June 22nd to 26th. We'd love for you to consider what it looks like potentially to participate, to volunteer. We really need more adults to sign up to help for that. Um, and then finally, we... You may have noticed there's an extra thing inside your bulletin this morning, and it says small group interest form, and you're like, ah, oh, small groups, those are awful. I don't like talking to people. I'm never going to sign up for one of those. And um, then you'd be just like me. You'd be like, oh, yeah, I don't like talking to people. Um, that's why I stand on stage and do it, so I don't have to interact with anybody. It's great. Um, but what we're actually inviting you to is not to, like, commit to a year or three years or a lifetime relationship with people. We want to invite for our next sermon series, everybody to be a part of a group that's maybe up to 10 people, but it's going to be not your friends. It's going to be people, people that you haven't interacted with, that you haven't talked to before. And the whole idea is that 
We just want to have discussion that's led through questions about the sermon text that's going to be happening that week. There's not really an expectation that you're going to share all of your deep, dark secrets with strangers. That's not what this is. We want to really invite you to take what we're talking about in the sermon and the series of Colossians that's coming up and spend some time together with people and to engage with people outside of your normal group. So if you would fill that out, there will be a table outside for you to drop that off at um, this morning and just say, yeah, I'm interested. I want to get connected. I want to do something a little bit different and maybe uh, reach out in my faith in a different kind of way. So would you please, please consider um, being involved in a small group coming up for 10 weeks. What is it? It's not even 10 weeks. It's just through May, like March, April, May. You can totally do that. Um, Two months of hanging out with some different people. So uh, as uh, as Kurt mentioned, I get the chance to bring you the word this morning, uh, which means which means we're starting this series on, we've been in this series on Haggai, and if you imagine what it would be to be a new lead pastor and go, I'm going to pick an obscure weird book, and then um, I'm going to break it down into the four natural parts, and then I'm going to give the weirdest passage to the youth pastor. That's exactly what happened. So, um, I, 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 I think it was unintentional, but here we are. I get to preach about the weird thing of the desecration of bodies today, and it's going to be so fun for us this morning. But would you join me, and maybe God can redeem all that I have to say and give you something meaningful this morning. Heavenly Father, God, would you be with us as we get to engage in knowing who you are? God, would you uh, shape our hearts? Would you allow us to hear from your word this morning? Lord, would you transform us? Would you allow us to make sure that we, um, that, we are, that we are prepared for the message that you have for us? God, would you, would you prepare our hearts, but God, would you also open our ears so that we can hear and receive your word this morning in your name. Amen. So we are in this series on Haggai. Uh, we have this incredible um, book called The Bible that, and, and if you don't know where Haggai is, it's really great. Um, I'm going to invite you, if you don't have your Bible with you, uh, you can pull out your phone. You can reach down in front of you. We're going to actually read the passage together, and then we're going to kind of come back. But it's not going to be on the screen at first. So I'm going to invite you to actually grab a Bible, physically grab one, and I'm going to show you how to get there. So if you open the Bible to the middle, you're going to get to like Psalms or Proverbs, and then there's like some really great meaningful things right there in the middle of the Bible. And then you go Ecclesiastes, where everything is meaningless, and then Song of Songs, where it's all lovely and wonderful. And then you get to what we call the prophets. And there's like the big ones, the ones that are long, that you can't miss, like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Limitations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea. And then you go like, and then you keep going, and you go, oh man, these are getting really short. Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai. And if you kind of work your way and you end up in Matthew, you're going to realize, wow, that was way too far. So you're going to kind of keep flicking, flipping around, and you're, you might find two Z books, um, Zephaniah, Zechariah, and then you're going to find Haggai. It's all of one page. Ooh. Like, it's like a hide-and-go-seek, search-and-find when you try to find Haggai in the Bible. And we're in chapter 2, um, so it's the back side of that one page, and verse 10. So it, in, in this Bible, it says, Blessings for a defiled people. Oh, so good. It's going to be so good this morning, guys. I'm just excited about this with you. Lord, please help me. Um, 
so, so read, read along with me. It says, On the 24th day of the ninth month in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. This is what the Lord Almighty said. Ask the priests what the law says. If a person carries consecrated meat in the fold of his garment, and that fold touches some bread or stew, and that fold um, or some wine or oil or other food, does it become consecrated? The priest answered, no. Then Haggai said, if a person defiled by contact with a dead body touches one of these things, does it become defiled? Yes, the priest replied, it becomes defiled. Then Haggai said, so it is with this people and this nation in my sight, declares the Lord. Whatever they do and whatever they offer there is defiled. Now give careful thought to this. From this day on, consider how things were before. One stone was laid on another in the Lord's temple. When anyone came to a heap of 20 measures, there were only 10. When anyone went to a wine vat to draw 50 measures, there were only 20. I struck all the work of your hands with blight, mildew, and hail, yet you did not turn, from, you did not turn to me, declares the Lord. From this day on, from the 24th day of the ninth month, give careful thought to the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Give careful thought. Is there yet any seed left in the barn? Until now, the vine and the fig tree, the pomegranate and the olive tree have not borne fruit. From this day on, I will bless you. The word of the Lord. Oh. Oh. So um, this, this story in Haggai, this, this, uh, this whole thing, right? Like, we, we saw in the, the intervening, in the, the, leading, the leading passages that led into this, that, that the people of God came, they returned to Israel, and they did, not, um, they did not build the temple the way they were supposed to. And so Haggai goes and says, hey, you're supposed to be building the temple. You're supposed to be doing this. And they went, oh, you're right. We've been building our massive mansions. We've totally forgotten the temple of the Lord. We've, we've not found that important. And I, I, in my life, have built a few things, um, like Legos. Legos. Um, they're one of these things that I got as, as gifts when I was a kid, when I was maybe 10 and 11, and I started to, to do Legos. And I started to build. And there was one year I got this Lego set. Um, it was a Statue of, Liberty, Le, Statue of Liberty Lego set. It was a three-foot-tall Statue of Liberty. It had 2,888 pieces, and it looked a little bit like, hopefully what will go up there on the screen. Um, it, 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 had, it was just this massively beautiful and amazing Lego set that you go, oh, so good. And if you look at that Lego set, you'll notice something about it. It is all the same color. It is boring. It is awful. It is terrible to build. It was so not fun. As a kid, I remember absolutely disliking building that Lego set because building it was just this tedious work of doing something that I entirely did not enjoy. Like, I got halfway through it and I quit. I quit. I left it like partway there and I was like, I'm done. I think, I think the Israelites kind of saw the temple that way, right? They saw the temple that way. They, they saw it, and they went, man, that is a lot of work. You remember how hard it was to build everything else in, 
like, like we're working on our houses, and they're not even close to what the temple is supposed to be. They're not even close to as big and as grand and whatever else. And like, we have to live up to Solomon's temple. Like, let's just worry about our own things. Right? And so they've actually become people who have not been paying attention to what God is. They, they've reflected, as I've reflected on this, um, they look back at it, and they decided there were other things that they would rather take care of more. Right? They would rather take care of more because, because just like me building this Statue of Liberty, I got, I got there, I, I went like, uh, I don't, uh, I'm not really, I don't really care. Like, it's a Statue of Liberty. I know what that looks like. I've seen pictures. It's fine. Like, it's fine. Right? But when I got to work on things, um, I thought it was going to be awesome. But I realized I just didn't care about it. And now, now that the people have heard from God, they've been told, hey, go build, go make this thing again, go, go invest some time and energy and effort, we get to experience maybe how God redeems their brokenness and looking at it and going, well, I just didn't care that much. So um, we're going to go back to, the, to our passage. Um, it started with, on the 24th day of the ninth month in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. Now, uh, the passage right before this was about—cool. Um, the, the passage right before this was about 90 days in advance. So, so God um, came to Haggai. He said, hey, they need to start building the temple, and it's been 90 days. It's been 90 days. So, so go, um, it's been 90 days, and we're going to figure out what God is doing and what he's going to work out in the lives of his people. Um, so and then it says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Ask the priests what the law says. If someone carries consecrated meat in the fold of their garment or fold touches some bread or stew some wine, olive oil, other food, does it become consecrated? And the priests answer, no. This is not a trick question. That guy's not going, do you know the law? No, he's going, no, duh, right? Like, we know that that does not actually work itself out to really good things. Um, this is not what he is trying to say. This is not the point Haggai is trying to make. So then it says, then, if a person is defiled by contact with a dead body, touches one of these things, does it become defiled? And the priest replied, yes. And here... Now, here's, here's my funny, fun, nerdy aside. So if you, like, hate, like, hate nerdy Bible stuff, then you can just stop listening for a second, and we'll get back to the fun stuff in a minute. Um, but the actual Hebrew doesn't say anything about dead bodies. It actually doesn't. It says nothing about dead bodies. There's this weird reference in the middle of the Hebrew uh, that says, uh, it says, uh, temei nefesh, which basically, um, basically means defiled person. So if you could actually read this. A person is, def if a person is defiled the and they touch something. So then why does it include this? And, and what most of the scholars actually say is they think it's a reference back to Leviticus, to the law, to the rules of the law that actually use temei, nefesh, and then touch a dead body. Like it's that actual, like, it's just an abbreviation of what they're doing. But it says, it says dead body here and, and really doesn't change the meaning of the passage. If they touch something defiled, if they're defiled and they touch something, it stays defiled. It stays defiled. And uh, Peter Williams actually say, says this. He's a commentator on this passage and he says, to, to defile is easy. 
God is saying in this passage that during the 16-year period when the temple was neglected, the people may have thought themselves holy because they were back in the Holy Land and the Holy City, but in fact they were defiled because of their disobedience. The result was that everything they did was polluted. The harvests were poor. The economic and commercial life had declined. And God was reminding them of this, right? So then Haggai said, So it is with my people, this nation in my sight, declares the Lord. Whatever they do, whatever they offer here, there is defiled. Now give careful thought to this from this day on. Now consider the thing, how things were before one stone was laid on another in the Lord's temple. When anyone came to a heap of 20 measures, there were only 10. When anyone went to the wine vat to draw 50 measures, there were only 20. I struck all the work of your hands with blight, mildew, and hail, yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. See, God, we go and we go, we look at this and we go, oh, that's such the Old Testament God, Right? He's such an evil God, right? He would crush them like they, they needed to be crushed, but he, he crushed them. He destroyed them like he did the things that you would expect the Old Testament God to do, right? He, he struck them down with blight and mildew and hail, and he made sure that the work of their hands wasn't good. And he did it because they returned and didn't do what they were invited to do. They didn't do, they didn't turn to God. They didn't go and build the temple. That's the whole reason they returned was to build the temple. And yet they forget to do it. They, they, they decide that it looks too hard and they worry about their own things and in their own life. And yet then we continue and we go, verse 18, from this day on, from the 24th day and the ninth month, give careful thought to the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. And this is not actually a statement of there's nothing left. He's saying, is there yet any seed left in the barn? It's, now, we're, when we look at when this 90 days later is, it's in the middle of December. So they've actually planted all of these seeds they're in the ground, and they haven't grown yet. They, there's been nothing happening to them, and there's no fruit to bear yet. But he's saying, until now, the vine and the fig tree, the pomegranate, the olive tree have not borne fruit. Because it's December. But from this day on, because you started the work on my temple, because you laid the foundation that I asked you to lay, from this day on, I will bless you. From this day on, I will bless you. And God is actually, we, we, we draw this distinction, right, that, that God is a different God in the Old Testament and New Testament sometimes. We, we draw this distinction. Now, I want you to know, like, all that they did is finally turn back to Jesus. And that's what we're invited to do, right? They, when we're invited to turn back to Jesus, he invites us into his family. When, when God is the God who, of the universe and he invites them to come back to know him, he promises that from this day on, he will bless them, that he will love them, that he will care for them. And this is, this is not actually a distinction. Like, there is no difference between the God of the Old Testament and the God in the New Testament. We have one God 
who is forever faithful, who is forever doing everything he can to restore his people to himself, and who forever is the God of the, co- of the covenant, and the God of the promise, the God who keeps his end of the bargain when we don't keep our end of the bargain. God says, he, God invites us into this covenant relationship with him in which he says, follow me and I will bless you and I will care for you. And the people of God don't follow him. And then we go, oh, it's all God's fault. You realize, no, like, he's just saying, hey, over here, give me attention. Get, come back to me. And so, so we're left. Like, this corruption is in our hearts. Um, the, the, this brokenness is in our hearts. My, my son uh, is six years old. His name's Joshua, if you don't know, if you don't know him. Uh, but he loves to build Legos. And he actually said to me this week, he said, Daddy, I like building the Legos better than I like what is at the end sometimes. But he also will just build and create and design and make something. And most of the time it's a spaceship to destroy things. Um, but, but he has, unlike me when I'm building the Statue of Liberty, like he builds with this intent to see the glory, the meaning, the purpose of the thing in the end. And the process of building is not always easy, but it is filled with joy because of what is to come. I, I had some different Lego sets when I was growing up. Like I had this, this original uh, TIE fighter and X-Wing and there were these other giant pieces and, and they were diverse and had different pieces and they were fun and challenging to put together. And at the end, I had an X-Wing and a TIE fighter and not a green tower, right? And now the funny part is like there's some pieces in that Statue of Liberty set that are unique and different that they've never made for any Lego set ever at all, any other time. And so it's one of the most rare Lego sets ever. And it's also very, very valuable, which is crazy because it's just sitting in the top shelf of some random bookshelf at my parents' house gathering dust in a crushed box. Right? Like I didn't value the end product. So I didn't put the effort in. But God is actually inviting us. He's asking the people of ha- in Haggai's time to ask these two simple questions. He's asking them, are you perfect people who don't need a temple? Or are you, are, are you, are, are you perfect people who don't need the end result? Like, do you not need the redemption and restoration that I give you in your life? Look at you. The world is falling apart around you. Look at us. The world is falling apart around us. Do we not need the redemption of a good God? Are you perfect people who don't need a temple? He's asking them that. He's like, are you doing that? Is this what you need? Is this what you, what you have in mind? Or are you broken people who need a place to go to offer God all that you are. See, when, when God is inviting us to build the temple, he's inviting us to prepare a place for our hearts to go to him, to interact with him, to know him, to, to engage with him. And the, the story of Haggai, the story in this passage is an, invi- is an invitation for us to actually search our hearts and say, am, how, how am I responding 
to God's presence in my life? Am I engaging? Am Am I looking at my own things? Am I looking and searching for my own way? Um, James, the, the, this book in the New Testament, uh, it was a, a book written by James, who is the brother of Jesus, who is one of the best cases in my mind for how you can know Jesus is God, because I don't think I could convince my sister that I'm God. Like, I just don't think I could, right? Like, to, to like, she's like, she knows all my faults, she knows all my issues, um, she knows I'm terrible at calling and, call, and talking to my family and my parents and everybody else, like, she knows all my stuff, well, most of my stuff, but she knows, like, how awful I was as a kid, and you have this dude, James, who is going to, who writes a passage, uh, writes a book, and basically affirms that Jesus is God. You go, wow, like, it takes a lot to affirm that your brother is actually God, right? Like, think about your siblings, think about your grandkids and your kids and everybody else, and you go, do they get along well enough for one to go, yeah, you, I'm going to worship you. No, like, they, they like might follow them around and do everything they do, but James is a great example of, of this story, and he talks about um, how we live out our story with God. So, Uh, If you want to join me, we're in James um, chapter 1. It says, Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently on the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it. They will be blessed in what they do. It's the same message of Haggai. Haggai is, is proclaiming that if you just followed God's law, if you just, did, if you just did it, that he is going to bless you and that that law is going to bring freedom and richness to your life. That, that honoring and respecting what God invites us to do in Scripture is not about bondaging us. It's about helping us become all that he has made us to be. It's about helping us to turn our hearts and give him praise and adoration so that we can receive his love and be filled with all he is. They will be blessed in whatever we do. And so we get to ask similar questions of ourselves. Are we the perfect people who need everything to revolve around us? Are we the perfect people who need to worry about our world and our homes and our things and our families first? And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with any of those things. But but do we need the world to revolve around us? Do we need the worship uh, in this church to match our style? Do we need the, the way that people um, talk about things to match 
um, to, to match our, our views, our, our political views, or our socioeconomic views? Do we need them to all, all those things to revolve around what's good for me and what I like? Or, or are we broken people who seek God and come to him and need to proclaim his restoration to others? Now, there's nothing wrong with having ways that you like things and, and ways that connect with you and, and, and even loving worship. Like, I, I love hymns. I really do. And, and I'm really excited. I think we're going to do a series on, on the differences between hymns and modern worship and stuff like that coming up in the end of summer because, because I, love, like, I love getting to sit down with Jay and have him go, oh, these hymns are just so good. The words are rich and meaningful. And we all go, yes, they are. And then we also go, oh, but these other songs are so rich and wonderful because they emotively put me in the place to respond to what God is doing in my life. And we go, oh, yes, they are. But some people, like, we don't all experience that in the same way. And so how can we own each other's things? How can we own that, that we're broken people? who are trying in different ways to give adoration to God, how can we seek and come to God first and go, I'm, you know what, I don't know. I don't even know what it's going to be like. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'm going to give absolute adoration and proclamation to God this morning because it's not about me. It's not about me having the world revolve around me. It's about me being a broken person who has to come before God and tell others about the good and amazing things that he is doing. Ah, it's good. Uh, In the back of your um, bulletin, you might see some next steps, and we just moved them over into the bulletin, so you might have been looking in the Connect card and going, where is that? What's going on there? But but I'm going to invite you guys today. I'm going to invite you today to maybe do a little bit of um, self-reflection in this. And uh, the, the first one is, like, we need to confess our brokenness and receive his restoration and blessing. Maybe for some of you, you've never done that. You've gone, I have been coming to church because it's the thing that I was told to do when I was a kid. Or I came because this person invited me today, and, um, and so I'm here. But maybe, maybe you've never done this. Maybe you've never actually gone to God and admitted your own brokenness that you can't do it on your own. But if you'd like to do that this morning, I'm going to invite you to just check that box and go, there's nothing magical about following Jesus. We just say, I'm in. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to know that I'm broken and that you in Haggai as an Old Testament God declared your people blessed from this day forward simply by turning their hearts to you. And you proclaim in the death and resurrection of Jesus that all we have to do is simply turn our hearts to Jesus and he will bless us and redeem us and restore our hearts. Uh, Maybe for you, you want to continue to follow Jesus and honor his law and receive his freedom and reflect on the ways this week that you've ignored some of his ways, that you've missed some of the things that he invites you to, or maybe you want to admit that you haven't given God the praise and honor he deserves and spend some extra time intentionally worshiping him this week. Um, But whatever your way is, and maybe there's something different that you're hearing and receiving this morning, but I would invite you to see that Haggai, that, that the God of the Old Testament is the one God 
who blesses his people, who invites them into the freedom that is given within the framework of the law, within the framework of honoring what he does, and within the framework of praising him. Because when we give him praise and glory, he restores us and makes us new and blesses us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, would you this morning allow our hearts to be turned towards you? Would you allow us to reflect on the idea that we are broken, but God, that you, not because of anything we actually do, you actually restore us to yourselves, to yourself. That you restore us, that you restore our hearts, that you renew our minds. God, we give you glory this morning in your name. Amen.